0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Reading from Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 2, verses 19 through 21. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Please pray with me. I may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight to the Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's great to be uh, back with you today for this uh, second installment. As I promised yesterday, uh, there would be sort of a further fleshing out um, of sort of these concepts, uh, these sort of Lenten concepts that we uh, addressed upon uh, yesterday, in particular the ideas of of the cross and and suffering. And um, I was reflecting on this a little bit about what we're actually trying to do here. And one of the great uh, errors of the Christian um, sort of church throughout its history has been to misunderstand exactly what the purpose of scripture and then by extension the preaching of the gospel is actually intended to do. Because we are not in the business of trying to convince you of something. We're not in the business of, of bringing you new information, as it were, but we are in the business of, as it were, re- revealing an extant reality that you are all too painfully already aware of. The darkness of the world. This is what John talks about in his prologue, is that the people who walked in darkness must and have now seen a great light. And so one of the, the, the days that changed in my life, as it were, is when I actually realized that I had something not simply to say, but something to do as a preacher. And this is something that I get directly from the Apostle Paul, who was the one who, upon reflecting on the death and resurrection of Christ, went away for three years, having had all of the traditions sort of uh, digested in his life, and sat down and said, what in the world was that about? And comes back preaching to the world about one thing, Christ and him crucified for sinners. This is not information that uh, uh, we, we conjured up, but is actually the revelation of God in the world that reveals a reality to our darkness that you are all too painfully aware of. And yet we walk around, as John says, those blinded even to the depths of its darkness. So that's what we are uh, doing today, uh, and what we're going to continue to sort of uh, where we're going to finish off the beginning, yesterday and end today, and that's the intent, at least, because we at- talked about yesterday what is the universal reality of the human condition that actually unites us to people in the past and connects us to our grandchildren and great-great-great-grandchildren. What is it that allows us to say something like, "I know what the Apostle Paul was feeling?" Or I know what my great-grandchildren will face. What is it that unites us? And yesterday we talked about that as being suffering and the question of God. Now some of you are sitting there saying, what have I gotten myself into today? Yay, I'm here at lunch. This sounds so wonderful. Well, it is Lent, I'll remind you. We are walking towards Good Friday, but nevertheless, there is gospel light in the midst of this. Because as we heard yesterday, Jesus himself points to his disciples And he says in Mark, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. And what we talked about yesterday is that Jesus was painfully aware of the fact that bearing a cross in life was unescapable, inescapable. And yet by his death and resurrection, the direction towards which people by faith would carry their cross would make all the difference in the world. This is why Jesus, as it were, went ahead of us through the valley of the shadow of death, so that as we walk in that valley, we are not left to our own devices. We are not as those totally blind to the darkness that surrounds us, and we are guided by the light that he has erected by his death and resurrection. This is how the apostle Paul can say something which is what we're going to we heard read today like I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live I live by faith in the one who gave himself for me and died for me. So you see the cross reveals that our lives Sadly, this side of heaven, in light of sin, death, and the devil, are marked for that very end, death. But it also provides the basis of hope, because now, by the resurrection and through faith in Christ, we are given direction and hope and purpose in this dark, cross-shaped world to proclaim the goodness and mercies of God in Christ. This is what the Apostle Paul is telling us in his letter to Galatians. Now, at first glance, this sounds very easy. Sounds like good news. Sounds sort of uh, uh, standard fare. You know, the, the Reformation uh, cry, sola fide, just believe. This is, this is good news for sinners, it sounds like. And maybe for some, it's too easy. You know, the perennial objection to the Apostle Paul. This is what he's dealing with in Galatians. But I think that if any of these sort of uh, ideas surrounding the, I, the, the question of faith alone, either it's too easy or somehow it's, it's, it's simple to, to, um, to get uh, your head around, uh, if you have that sort of uh, sentiment, which is what it is, well then we're not taking seriously enough the mechanism by which God saved the world, namely the cross. Because see, Paul even juxtaposes this very thing, saying in our reading today that if righteousness, if right standing, dia kasune, if our sort of uh, ability to stand before God could come in any other way, then Christ died for nothing. That is a radical juxtaposition. And one that is not sufficiently digested in many people's lives, I believe, because what it actually points to is that Christ and his death is in some way a model for how God continues to bring sinners by faith alone into his presence. Either by law or by the gospel. Righteousness, justification, right standing, one or the other. And the Apostle Paul says, if there was a way to do this on our own, we will try and we will try and we will spend and fight our entire lives to stand on our own before God and we will fail. But we will die trying. This is what the cross and resurrection has put before a lost and broken world. There are two ways for you to be saved. One leads to your own death and demise and Ultimate despair, and the other has been erected for you by Christ alone through faith. One will kill you. One has died for you. Either the law or the gospel. This is what Paul lays before his people, saying, of course, that there is no other gospel. But you, foolish Galatians, as he says, seem to have followed something that sounds like one. We know there is only one, and yet you remain enslaved to this idea that you somehow could save yourself. You see, this is the walk of the life of faith, having been stripped of our idols day after day, year after year, finding more and more truth in this juxtaposition, which at first glance sounds so easy, either by the law or if there was a law, then Christ died for nothing. Well, that's wonderful. Yet the person who has to die is me with Christ so that I can then be raised by faith. You see, what is this new life by faith alone? This is something that is not, it's easily said, it's not easily won, ask Jesus about this, because the confession comes at the death of the confidence in those very things in which you once placed your hope. These things is what the Bible would call idols, the things that before which he once worshipped. And the law was given to exacerbate and reveal and diagnose just this slavery. And yet, as blind people, we turn even that very thing, as the Apostle Paul says, that promised me life becomes to me death in light of Christ and his death for the world. See, this is the promise of the law. Life, this is what it promises. And who doesn't want this? This goes back to the garden, the first lie, you will no longer die. Well, when we are given the opportunity to avoid the judgment that the cross reveals on the world, and an alternative way of possibly escaping, finding a, an escape route around the cross so that we may live, the law holds this out to us. But these promises always prove to be death. These promise of, of youth, of potential, there's a promise for you. The promise of, of a new relationship, the promise of a, of a new career. Perhaps you, you could find a, the promise of, of, of a new, um, of, of a new uh, job, of, of greater success, of power. The, the, the deepest cut comes at the promise of love. Perhaps when I'm finally loved or when I find that true love or when I get over the brokenness of my lost love, perhaps these promises that seem to be life will finally be sufficient for me to stand on my own, and I will not have to walk the way of suffering and death with my Lord. This is what we rebel against, and yet we see that these very things that we worship, like God's demand, demand our sacrifice our lives, our obeisance, and ultimately we do whatever we can in their service to the detriment of both ourselves and others, all for the sake of this promise that gave me the hope of life, and yet, in light of Christ, proved to be the very thing that brought him to his death, and then on account of that, for us and for our sakes, we now sing. You see, this is the most tragic cut actually is that the very things that promise life are not bad in and of themselves but when these penultimate things become the ultimate then jesus is not the one being worshipped and his is the only promise that not only promises life but has defeated death you see this brings us back to jesus Because yesterday uh, we heard him say, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever to save his life will lose it. Whatever who loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. You see, this is the connection between Good Friday, Easter, and our present lives. The connection, according to Paul, is faith. But see, not faith that emanates up from within us or a faith that we must conjure up for ourselves, but a faith that looks to Jesus because he is the one who has gone ahead of us. He is the one who has purchased our freedom. He is the one by whose life and death the light of his glory now shines into the darkness and he alone is now our salvation. See, the author of Hebrews writes it this way. He says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is now seated at the right hand of the of the throne of God you see if there were any other way for us to be reconciled to God then he died for nothing but he did die and he died for something or more appropriately he died for someone he died for you in all of your guilt and all of your shame and all of your confusion in all of the times that you have sought for solace in other promises, in all of the realities of your life, he died and rose. So thereby we could then with Paul say, we have been crucified with this man and we no longer live in the same way because the life we now live in the body, in the flesh, we now live. By faith, not in ourselves or what we have done, but in what He has done and set before us. The life we now live by faith, we live by the life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. So you see how this counterintuitive message of the cross becomes not simply for the Apostle Paul, but for all who then call upon his name, uh, the name of the Lord, the glory in his shame, the mark of God's redeeming love, the, the word of the cross, which becomes the comfort and balm of Gilead in the now open ears of the redeemed sinner. See, by faith in Jesus, You have died. You, who once were lost, are dead. And now, by faith, you have been raised as a beloved son and a revered and and beloved daughter, someone who has been comforted, adopted, given all of the promises of God, secured not in yourself, but by God in his Son on a cross for the sake of the world. So let this Lenten season perhaps be one where we grow deeper in our appreciation of the, the wonder, love, and praise to the God upon whose promises we stand. Those that were purchased for us by Jesus on the cross to bring sinners into the reach of his saving embrace. And thereby they live by faith in the flesh in light of the one who loved me and gave himself for me so that we would be walking in his glory and his grace thanks be to God Amen You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.